The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Um, can everybody hear me all right? Okay, I'm aware that I tend to be really soft-spoken, and if, I, if my voice drops off too much, please raise your hand and let me know I need to speak up a little. So as Kim mentioned already, as we explore this topic of right livelihood today, um, I'm going to use the word work because my topic is practicing right livelihood is at work. But what I mean by work is could be paid employment, could be unpaid employment, could be caring for children or aging relatives, could be volunteer work. Really, it's however you spend the bulk of your day. It could be that you're a student. So um, I'll use the word work, but I want it to stand in for how you spend most of your day and week. And I, I really appreciate Right Livelihood as a place where we can see all of what we've been working with um, to this point really clearly because, because we spend most of our week doing whatever it is that we are doing um, to, to live, we can see where our, we have all these opportunities to see where we're stressing or struggling, suffering, and where we're not, to see where um, the causes of that comes from. We can um, look at intentions and whether we're wanting to push things away or pull them f- towards us or hang on to them um, or we can notice when we have these opportunities to practice our living with kindness and with compassion so we have these all these different moments throughout the day it's it's very rich um, also just to write speech my goodness as I looked at right livelihood and how we spend our day so much of it is how we're talking to ourselves internally and how we're talking to other people externally. And certainly these, all the bigger areas of wise action that we looked at last month, whether we're doing harm to ourselves or others, whether we're taking what is not given, whether we're um, engaging in any kind of sexual misconduct, of course, it enters the workplace or our major relationships and our major areas where we spend time. So I'd like to um, start with just a little brief meditation and um, to give you an opportunity for about five minutes to just meditate. And then towards the end, I'm going to drop in a topic for reflection. And when I you know, say the words for reflection, I'd just like to invite you to allow whatever images or words bubble into your mind to come up without actually having to think about it. Just see what surfaces when I bring it up. And there'll be several minutes after I drop that in for you to just see what surfaces without much effort. Just allow it. So getting into your um, alert but comfortable meditation posture... And allowing your breath to settle you. Letting your out breaths soften or let go of any tension or mental activity that came up as you were chatting and sharing just now.
as you continue your meditation, dropping in this reflection and seeing what arises automatically. Seeing yourself as you go about your work day, what comes up? And what's your relationship with what you're noticing? So as you noticed what came up as you reflected on your work day, um, it's part and parcel of this kindness and compassion that we want to show ourselves as we practice with right livelihood. As Kim said, it can be so overwhelming to approach it from a a perfectionistic point of view or look at all of what goes on um, and think about, oh, I'm am I mindful or not? But instead, maybe letting go of judgment as we do this practice today. And instead, if you find yourself noticing anything that arises that's pleasant about what you noticed in your workday, enjoy that. You know, uh, feel good about the fact that that's arrived in your work. And if you notice any unpleasantness that came up, Um, Maybe consider that as possibly a message from you to you that you can later explore what, what is that telling me. So maybe this is just an area where we can look at messages our own heart and mind send and our own bodies send to us. 
Um, As you maybe do the reading this month about right livelihood, you'll find that traditionally um, that Bhante Gunaratana book about eight mindful steps to happiness um, offers a lot of really good questions we can explore about what type of work we do at the broadest level, whether our work causes harm. So traditionally, you know, there's these lists of not engaging in work that... um, kills people or enslaves people or engages in intoxicants or poisons or weapons. So these big, big areas of, you know, does the work that I do or my employer does or do the investments that I or my employer have, do they contribute to any of those things that cause direct harm in the world? But um, we can also look at this more deeply. I mean, perhaps none of you are really engaged in that kind of work right now. So uh, the way we look at how we spend our workday can also just be an invitation to where we can find places, these messages from us to us, about areas where we might be able to cultivate more equanimity or um, more friendliness for ourselves and for others more compassion as we go along. So I found a description in the Bhikkhu Bodhi book that I thought was very interesting, Um, a description of what the Buddha had uh, given as guidance to lay practitioners, that a living should be acquired legally and not illegally, so both were important, peacefully, without coercion or violence, honestly, not by trickery or deceit, and without harm or suffering for others. Now, I'm, I'm guessing that most of you do not engage in illegal livelihood, but, you know, it, we can look at how uh, legal or how honest is the work that we do. So I'm, I'm not going to dwell on that for too long, of course, if you, you could imagine if you were doing things at work uh, that, or in your going about your daily life that are not legal, it actually causes stress. So I became aware a while ago that my tendency is to speed on the freeway. I was always speeding on my way to work and speeding on my way home. And actually, finally dawned on me, you know, a lot of people are speeding, but that's really, it's not the consensus of laws that we have for how to take care of one another. And so by doing that, you know, I wasn't doing anything illegal at work, but I was doing something illegal on the way to work. And it did it contribute to my a greater peace and happiness? Not really. It's just that little extra edge of push, push, push that um, isn't so calm and peaceful. But then delving into this a little bit more, let's look for a moment at this idea of going about our day, whether it's, again, volunteer work or caring for children or family members or work for pay or work without pay, um, how we might practice livelihood that's acquired peacefully, honestly, without harm or suffering for others. So going about your work peacefully, first of all, without coercion or violence. When I first started thinking about this, as with many other Eightfold Path factors, I thought, 
course I don't use coercion or violence at work, you know? And it's actually supportive of your practice and your development in this um, path to recognize that if you're not engaging in violence or, or coercion, enjoy that. You know, think about the fact or relax into the fact that your life actually affords you that. Because I, we can all, we all know very well that there are parts of the world where coercion and violence are a more commonplace everyday thing that people have to contend with. So we're very fortunate with this peace that we have. Um, but then we can look at where am I promoting peace with myself in my going about my day and where am I caught in feeling maybe even slightly aggressive towards others. So um, you might be involved in areas that do actually bring you into this exploration of what's a necessary and unnecessary level of coercion. So for example, you might work in the military or law enforcement, or you might work in healthcare and sometimes have patients that are violent. And then maybe some, there's some call for using some level of physical energy around uh, working with something. You might have a child that's thrown themselves on the ground and is having a temper tantrum or is hitting their sibling. (laughs) Um, You might be dealing with an elderly relative who has dementia and sometimes you have to constrain their actions. So in these areas, we're quickly faced with how to, whether or not to intervene physically, first of all, and then how much energy are we bringing to it? So sometimes the, the violence or the coercion is just internal. Emotionally, we're arousing a higher level of energy or a higher level of uh, frustration with this child that we're trying to calm or um, this situation where we have to keep one, for example, one child from hitting another. So um, just allowing yourself to notice that. Um, Then if you do look at it at a more subtle level, you you might kind of see a range of, if you're ever engaged with people that um, are going to use coercion or violence against you in work or in caring for family, there's self-protection, you know, simple self-protection. And then there's this area where we slide into more uh, agitation within ourselves. Um, and there, there are no right or wrong areas, but I've noticed in particular parents deal with a lot of areas where they, they may have to push their children to try new things. So there are children who, if left to their own devices, would never try a new sport, never go out and engage in anything. You know, they're... They might be naturally shy or naturally fearful. And I see parents really struggle with this area of pushing, you know, how much to push their children. Or teens who, if you leave them to what they'd like to do, they might like to do a lot of social media, a lot of video games. Um, and, And I've worked with a lot of teens who are doing more and more and more of that and slipping away from interpersonal contact with one another Um, slipping away from sports and clubs that they would have belonged to. And it's very painful as an adult to engage in this area and to be wanting to bring compassion and peace to this um, and 
at the same time not allow someone else to harm themselves. Same with uh, dealing with elderly relatives. I know that if left to his own devices, my dad would have wanted to live independently to the very end of his life, beyond the time when it was safe for him to drive, beyond the time when he and my mom could cook for themselves or really care for themselves well. So you get into this area of, okay, is it, you know, I'm the kid, they're the adult, you know, parent. When do I push them into a higher level of care? How do I do that skillfully? How do I do that compassionately? So there are a lot of mundane areas or ordinary areas where we have to reflect on um, maybe bringing a level of energy or a level of push to something um, which might not be our first choice. And then how do we work peacefully with ourselves around those choices? And there are, all of these things are unanswerable dilemmas, you know, dealing with how much or how little to push a child. When or when not to bring an elder relative into nursing care or hospice care. There's no right answer, really, often. Um, In other forms of work, uh, there are other levels of coercion that might be even more subtle. So have you ever noticed in some workplaces how the most disliked tasks sometimes get assigned to the most pleasant people who are the least aggressive? I noticed that at at some places that I worked. Um, Even deadlines at work. I had a painful realization. Um, I had a job where I was doing a lot of work that involved working into the wee hours of the morning on a deadline that was due, really working hard. And it was fine, I guess, on one level, although I was doing a little bit of harm to myself by working all those long hours. But I also supervised someone, and I had someone stay and work late with me. And later on, I realized that that, even though the person had acted very willing, there was a power differential going on because I supervised them. And later, maybe I thought maybe my uh, actions would have been wiser and involved less coercion if I had used my influence to redesign the project so that we didn't have to work that long. So this idea right now um, about working peacefully uh, without coercion or violence, we could give some thought to how hard we're working ourselves and how hard we're making kids work. What are we doing to ourselves (laughs) as a culture? You know, why do we have to work such long hours or why do kids have to take five advanced placement classes in high school? Why are these things going on? And are they a level that promotes peace, lack of coercion and Um, happiness in our lives and in our practice. So what would it look like for you if you went about your day peacefully without any level of coercion or with only necessary levels? Then the next, going about your work honestly without trickery or deceit. So this is an area where you can look at um, what is honesty? You know, where do I... uh, push things a little too far uh, with people in the way I describe them? Do I exaggerate? Do I say only what I know? Do I speculate and go a little bit beyond what I know? 
in an attempt as a professional to be, you know, to have a level of certainty to what I'm saying. Same with kids, you know, how, how truthfully do we uh, speak to them? How much do we protect them from? And where do we level with them about things? Um, what's our relationship with uh, honesty uh, if we're feeling tired or avoidant? Do we find ourselves slipping into little white lies or convenient ways to say things that aren't necessarily addressing underlying issues? So I think that there's a lot of opportunity at work or working with kids or parents to look at where you placate, where you're less than honest, but also if you're being honest, where, are you, where can you be honest and kind to people? When you come into conflict with people at work or at home, how do you manage that honestly and without you know, trying to push things in a favorable direction for yourself? Um, it's, a, it's a practice centering around watching yourself around subtle levels of greed or aversion. So maybe looking at where you're motivated to want things to go a certain way or to not want them to go a certain way and how that influences your practice of honesty. Um, being honest with yourself about what you're doing. I, I think I overworked for many years and in some ways, I was fooling myself into thinking, oh, it, this was so important to do this. Or I, honestly, under, underneath, I think there was a level of looking for some way of, of love in the world. And love could come through, you know, relationships with colleagues who were happy with all that work or through the rewards of money. But there was probably some greed and aversion going on in there in all that overworking. And now I look at it and I think, wow, that stuff was not that important. It was not that important to work all those hours for. So looking at these levels of honesty, and of course right speech is woven throughout this, honesty in your speech. And finally, um, going about your work without harm or suffering for others um, in this area, I think it's really helpful, and Kim mentioned this, touched on this earlier, really helpful to look at when you sit down to meditate, what comes up from your day? Are there things that are on your mind, you know, that you're thinking about or happening to your body that are held from your day? Um, what disturbs your meditation? And, of course, nothing in meditation is a disturb disturbance it's all something to be looked at but are there ways in which you could develop um, a way to be doing less harm to yourself bringing less stress on to yourself less suffering to yourself um, and that would help you uh, set aside those points of view in order to exercise more compassion um, internally and also externally. I think when we're stressed or pressured, when we're wanting something to be a certain way, to make it be a certain way, as we often do in work and in relationships, it doesn't just impact us. People can feel that. People can feel that as they work with us. So looking at these areas of going about your work without harm or suffering for others going about your work honestly without trickery or deceit 
and going about your work peacefully without coercion or violence, again, um, my hope is that you listen to this in a way that allows you to see where the, the rub is, where are the uncomfortable areas, and to just allow those to become pointers in the direction of more happiness and peace. In the same way that we were talking about earlier with, you know, how would I change my work? Allowing yourself to entertain the question, what is this discomfort? And what is this discomfort telling me? Where, where might this lead me to change how I go about my day? So um, let's do another breakout session, getting in groups of four again, and we'll have some questions that you can reflect on in this area. So, so since this topic is actually a huge topic, and I feel like I, you know, I just touched on the smallest little bits of things that I was aware of, but you, as you sat and you saw yourself go about your work day, um, you probably had other things that bubbled up in you that you noticed. So um, in your group, I'd like to invite you to do the same kind of round that Kim ended with this last time where you each, you entertain this question by just going around saying something briefly, then going to the next person and making multiple rounds of listening to one another and reflecting on the topic yourself. Um, And you'll have a good 10 minutes to do this first question. Um, What responsibilities and commitments in your life right now as you go about your day do you find challenging and what's your relationship with that? So as you let those areas bubbled up, what was your relationship? What did you notice? Where's the, where's the rub? Where's the challenge? So, and I'll ring the bell at the end of 10 minutes and we'll switch to a second topic. Yes. So as you, did, as you think about your own work life or your, the, how you spend most of your day in volunteer work, child care, adult care. Um, What responsibilities or commitments did you find challenging? Do you find challenging? And what's your relationship with that? So where's the friction? Where's the, some of that stuff that I was talking about? Where are these responsibilities challenging? Or giving you information about your practice? All right? And maybe start with the person with the shortest hair and then go from there. (laughs) So wrapping up with that question as best you can. And um, moving on to the next question, which you can again discuss, you know, by making multiple rounds of your circle. And that is, how do you practice the Eightfold Path and this practice of right livelihood, how do you want to practice or how do you practice with those responsibilities and commitments? So again, a free 10 minutes and I'll ring the bell at the end of that. So perhaps thanking your partners and then coming back to the big circle. (laughs) 
So we have time now for um, sharing anything that you uh, gained from talking in your group that you'd like to mention or any questions that have come up for you in the entire day. Um, Just love to hear what's on people's minds. I think we collectively understand that all of this is really not rocket science and that um, through the sharing of the small groups and the, and the Dharma here, we're realizing that, that the, the most important thing is the presence at, at any time and it goes back to the breath. And the, the whole course of this class are these eight steps and these, these items that we need to focus on. And I think all I really need to say at this point is that when I'm present, everything's okay. And how easy it is to get wrapped in so many things. But when I feel the body's not right or the mind's going too fast, to just bring it down and just to, to, to remind myself and not take myself too seriously and put these steps into perspective. Mm. Yeah, you're sort of pointing the direction to uh, right mindfulness as a key of you know, being in the mix of all of these things and finding a perspective that you can practice from. Thank you. I I hope I can express this the way I'm feeling it. But um, it seems to me it doesn't matter what situation or stage of mind or work. Or is it not? Yeah, it, it's hello. On. Hello. You just came up. Okay. It doesn't seem to matter what stage of life we're in. That. Um, It's totally vital to learn to be kind to ourselves. Otherwise, very little will fall into place. Um, At least that's how I'm experiencing it. And I hear other people, that's a stumbling block. It's always a stumbling block to getting to the next step because that either not feeling worthy or feeling selfish or whatever it is, but learning that self-compassion, learning to be kind to myself is, is a big thing now and, and I wished I had known about it, you know, many, many years ago because I think I would have avoided 
a lot of suffering and would have lived a life of much more clarity and peace and happiness, you know. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Yeah. Cultivating that compassion and kindness and how it comes along with this practice and then we're, then we can start to enjoy or use it to soften, let go. It is. That goes along with right speech. It goes along with right action. I mean, it goes along with everything. You know, if we're not kind in every aspect of our life, it's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. It's not just not going to work. And I see that, you know, even with, I think, it's this is going to be a simple telephone conversation. No. It's not so simple if I'm not really, really careful how I deal, how I, you know, how I am with that person Mm -hmm. on the other end, Mm -hmm. you know, so, yeah. Thank you. I I hear a lot of your relationship with it shifting towards compassion and that easing so much other suffering that could pop up in all of the stuff that goes runs through your day compassion being the thread that's like ah okay this is a place to practice from well the the thing is to believe that it's necessary to be kind to yourself Mm -hmm. before it was like you know big deal it wasn't it really wasn't of value or I for whatever reason I didn't deserve it Uh, I'd never experienced it I didn't know how to do it Mm. And now that I'm learning, it just like, it's opening up so many vistas and creating a lot of calm and, and peace in my life. And I'm very grateful. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so your reflection was bringing up for me this idea of how when I feel rushed and or even when I feel really goal-oriented at work, like I'm busy and I want to accomplish these objectives uh, or in getting to work, as you were talking about earlier, then there's so much less space for kindness toward myself or toward... Uh, other people and uh, that being able to to really slow down uh, I think it, to me it, it now it, it feels like more of a priority because it goes back to the intention I'm, you know that kindness is the most important thing, more important than these things that I tell myself are so important in my job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Starting with right intention and things go more easily from there. Thanks. Might be nice just to mention your name. Ah, thank you. Okay. My name's Sarah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to add in that I really appreciate the concept that this is not just about work, but it's about how you are in the world. Um, I think that's really crucial because 
work isn't all there is. It's big, but yeah. Um, and for me personally, and it, I think it all comes back to kindness again too. It, this keeps coming up in my mind. I have to get new tires on my car, and I'm dreading it because <laughs> I just have this feeling that these guys are always trying to rip me off, you know, and I don't want to get in a fight with them. I I don't want my husband to go because he will get in a fight with them and I don't want that energy. But on the other hand, I don't want to get ripped off. So it's like, how do I go in there and stand up for myself and yet compassionately care for this person who is doing his job? You know, it's, it's like this whole, that's how I want to be in the world is fair and I want to be treated fairly but I'm about to go into this situation where I feel automatically on the defense and you know so it's just it's an interesting not knowing that I need to deal with this next week this is kind of an interesting way of approaching it Mm -hmm. you know it's it's how I want to be in the world in general so thank you for including that so one more and then we'll come to a close Um, boy, what you said, I, f- I could feel my body arising because I feel like those challenges from taking this course, I've, I feel like I've been practicing you know, the right speech, which 90% of the time has been just keeping my mouth shut. You know? um, but these kinds of circumstances, I've learned that you know, I could feel it in my body and what I've, what I've done, and I'm not sure if this is, this is really a question for you, I've sort of, instead of letting my brain just do this and then having the Buddha talk to me, say, oh, you have to be compassionate, you have to do this, you have to have the right intention, and just having this mind play out everything, I usually will just sit back and just align my body before I even do anything. I mean, I still have to do it so many times. Um, And then I sort of resign at the fact that as long as I know my intention is good, you know, um, maybe that's all I can do. So I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it. Um, but I do feel many circumstances when I feel that, you know, you're trying to make a phone call, you're trying to do this, or you're trying to do business, or you're trying to advocate for somebody, and you feel like there's a, a row of enemies out there, mm-hmm. and you don't want to participate in that negative energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you feel pulled into it. Yeah, the, it starts to point us toward the benefits of the quality of equanimity in the mind, uh, which is an evenness around how things unfold. Because we, it, it comes about naturally as we discover again and again how little control we have in some cases. And it doesn't make us passive, but it creates a lot less suffering in the cases where we do need to act. Yeah. Thank you. I loved your description, too, of aligning your body, you know, and just, I got a sense of relaxing. So thank you very much. Um, sorry. Uh, I want to um, thank you for coming here today and practicing Right Livelihood together. And um, can already feel how the benefits of what you've brought for yourself here will extend out to others in your lives Um, even just by being in better relationship with yourself being more compassionate and kind to yourselves other people around you will benefit 
So enjoy this month. Look forward to seeing you next month.